With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning, everyone. It is time for After 9, the Monday morning wake-up call edition. This is Echo Wiley here. I'm hanging out with Alan Wishart this morning in studio. Unfortunately, Phyllis isn't here, and I'm a little bummed out because this was an important topic I was hoping to get her in on. Everything, I hope, is all right. Well, we've got a interesting, it's going to be a conversational show today, and it is going to be with um, an old dear friend. Her name is Collie Wells. Collie worked, or lived and worked here in Prince George years ago, and uh, it was unbeknownst to me that Collie was a uh, survivor of the the Marion, um, the Montreal's Marion Hall. It was a place where, uh, unlike, not unlike the uh, residential schools, it was uh, somewhat of a detention center for young women. Now, what we're talking about today is trying to reconcile what happens when these types of things happen to people when you are oppressed in some way. A lot of folks don't understand out there the types of oppression that can affect a person as... Um, I have been trying to bring up on the shows. Now, Prince George was a wonderful place, Collie, was it not, back in the day? I'd have to say it saved my life. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You shared yeah. that with me last night, and uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, first of all, good morning, Echo. Oh, uh, good morning. <laughs> it's good to hear your voice. I wish I was seeing your face. Uh, but, uh, hopefully yeah. soon enough. Yeah, no, I came... Um, straight out of the uh, institutional settings um, from age 11 right up to the age of 19 and came out to Prince George looking to uh, to find an uncle. And um, talk about being accepted because I, I hit that uh, little town with uh, very little knowledge, very little social skills, uh, a lot of trauma in my backpack and was welcomed, and I still consider many, many people in Prince George my family members to this day. Truly, truly, uh, the that those were back in the years of approximately what would we say seventy nine, eighty type Not, thing. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine was when I got there. I came on the train. Wow, wow, that's yeah. the same. I yeah. came from Victoria on a vehicle in a vehicle. <laughs> For me, it was a culture shock coming from uh, Victoria, where I, in my life, had faced absolutely no trauma. So you walked into a a lovely, accepting place, as I did, and uh, yet it was um, very strange, different mentality, different lifestyle. Now, we, we... the reason why I contacted you was you and some of your friends um, got to, well, past family members as well, I guess you would call them as, um, back to get together as um, survivors of Marion Hall. Uh, can you tell That's us right. a little bit about that and that journey? And by the way, folks, this was a show on W5 that was uh, aired in 2019, I believe. That's about, correct. About you girls, so fill us That's in. That's right. Yes, well, um, good old social media, of course, uh, started that ball rolling, and it started with one person finding someone and saying, hey, are you from Marion Hall, and um, 
uh, from there it grew, uh, then it was three, and then there were five, and um, there had been a newspaper reporter back in the early 80s who had disguised herself as a staff member and managed to get into one of these institutions and uh, exposed uh, some of the um, behaviors and abuse and how the kids were being treated. So the government knew about this because it was exposed. I mean, there's newspaper clippings. There was, uh, it was on the, the news back then. It was in the Montreal Gazette. It was quite a big story. Um, and then it just kind of went underground. So rather than it stopping, they, they kind of made some <laughs> laws that uh, no child under 11 should be physically restrained and thrown into an isolation cell. Now think about that people with children no child under 11 yeah so and and let's be clear here these weren't all juvenile delinquent children these were children that were in protection they were apparently being protected as well from these were children of the court so if you if you get a chance to watch this uh this documentary um which uh, by the way is called marion hall uh the forgotten um couple of my friends, uh, my one girlfriend went in there because she was being sexually abused by her father. The, her mom got rid of her rather than her, the father. My other girlfriend's mom was dying, and she didn't know that her mom was dying. So uh, a lot of these children went in as innocent children and came out as juvenile delinquents. That That's exactly... Um, th- seems to be the story across the board with child services. Um, exactly. We just exactly. had a case here in the last two years in the province of British Columbia where uh, three children were kept from their father and and the um, ministries actually lost their case and were found um, to be totally guilty of putting these children back with their father where they were re-abused. They drove the mother Mm -hmm. almost insane. Um, Why are we not paying more attention to these uh, laws that actually entrap people in these situations and keep putting the blame on uh, ethnicity, uh, you know, juvenile delinquents. Mm-hmm. Where is who it? Grow up, who, who often grow up to become what we're seeing now, you know, this overflow that we have of, um, of, of street people and, and people that are struggling with mental, serious mental health issues that are homeless and people with serious drug addictions, and and we're blaming them, but no one's stopping to going, where did these people come from? Exactly, and and a lot of the uh, drug abuse and uh, alcoholism uh, actually is formed by way of non-treatment. Young folks who get injured in sports as youth, uh, you know, injured workers who are untreated by uh, situations that are are actually extrapolating the same behaviors as these child services were, and and not looking out for the welfare and the well-being of the individual. Individual nowadays they call them clients, you know, and yeah, uh, that's right. That's uh, right. Things need to be addressed. So, so what else has been happening? Have th- more things been brought to light? Have you seen any changes to systems? Well, so I, I can't really discuss about. There is a you know a court thing uh, going on that I'm, I'm unable to discuss uh, right. openly today. 
Uh, however, we are, you know, attempting to hold the uh, the government accountable. Um, all these years later, um, you know, some of these some of these kids, if if you you know, which were children that are grown adults now, you know, in their their sixties, still suffer from the the trauma of their upbringing. Um, you know, we have people that still can't leave their their house without anxiety. That that are on you know a a big bucket of pills trying to manage mental health issues. Yeah, you know, I could get into a whole other thing there about how we treat mental health. But well, that's you know, across the board. As I was saying, with injured injured people, um, mentally ill people, brain injured. There's so. So That's little right. lack of understanding, yet there's so many situations that are financially manipulating these situations with very little help being given. Absolutely. You know, it's like line up at the door. Um, you know, if you if you send somebody with a mental health issue, a serious mental health, health issue that is causing them to, you know, not fit in society's little box, so they can't keep a job, they don't have a social life, you know they're they're on disability, um, probably limited amount of friends, maybe no family or limited amount of family. People just give up on people, and you send them to a psychiatrist. It is likely, rather than hearing their story, uh, finding out what you know, what kind of a wraparound system can we offer this human being, they're likely going to leave with a prescription in their hand. Absolutely. That's, yeah. uh, yeah. that's definitely something or else they need the prescription for something to help them, uh, g- get over what it is they're getting over, be it a painkiller, a mood enhancer, yeah. whatever. And, and either enough. that, either that or a doctor will accuse them of drug seeking. Oh, that too. So, yes. so Often. it's Often. just across the board that um, folks are being unserviced by an industry that calls itself healthcare. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm 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 always screaming to the rafters. People say, you know, well, you you know, you got a lot of opinions on our, you know, our homeless issues and our, you know, addiction issues, and you know, what's the answer? What's the answer? And and it's going to take money. First of all, we need funding. The government needs to step up. Proper you know? funding. Funding that actually goes to what it needs to, not to somebody's exactly. cousin's pocket to brush over or band-aid something that's never being solved. That's Exactly. The, yeah. Exactly. And we need a wraparound system. We need long-term care for people. You know, you can't, you can't have someone come in with a lifetime of trauma or whatever it is, injuries or addiction behind them, and, it, and it's not a quick fix. No. You know, we, we need long-term care for people. And a wraparound system that, you know, starts with their, do they have somewhere to live? You know, do they have food to eat, good food to eat? And I'm not talking going to the food bank for macaroni and cheese. I'm talking healthy food. You know, do they have a social life? You know, are they able to be part of society? Do they have somewhere safe to live? Do they have good neighbors? You know, uh, we start there. And and what happens is it's a, it's um. A wheel almost. People go into, let's just say, detox. Here, right here in Victoria, we are the capital, and we have 17, 17, that's it, detox beds. You know, I mean, how many people need detox today? 17, it's just not, it's not working. So then they're going to go into detox, and they're going to stay in there for 10 days. And then what? What? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's they're they're put right up back out on the bridge. Well, we could say the same thing with um, youth in care. I mean, you turn eighteen, and boom, they turn you out. And, that, oh, and and usually yeah. that's what happens is you are turned out and you're turned out into this world that is not kind. Um, no, that's right. Unless you're not very accepting. Unless you're very that's right. lucky. Yeah, yeah. You know what? When when I turned so in Montreal, eighteen was the legal age. They kept me for an extra year because I literally had no family. I had nobody. There was nowhere to go. So they kept me for one extra year. At 19, they gave me a bagged lunch and bus tickets. Wow. Had I not landed in Prince George, had I not gone on the train, I do believe I wouldn't be here today. I really do. Or I'd be sitting in prison for many, many years because you're going to go to the street community, you know. And... uh, it's it's still happening. How can it be that in 1979 we failed that big, and we're still failing? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like it, when do we wake up? It, it is a strange, strange, and unusual thing. And then what's scary is it usually turns into a criminal escapade after that. Or there's the, with the doctors and people just aren't getting the help they need, and somehow the police end up being involved in it. But we got to take a quick break, Collie, and we're going to come back after that with more after nine. There isn't much that a country singer hasn't covered in a song. If you want to hear songs about new love, lost love, drinking, fighting, cowboys, trains, traveling, and everything else, then tune into the Country Cavalcade every Wednesday, 6 to 8, where I cover music from the 20s to the 90s, as well as today's traditional independent artists. You'll hear from such greats as the Carter family, Johnny Horton, Vern Charlton, and so much more. The Country Cavalcade, Wednesday, 6 to 8, only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM with me, Corey Walker. The Alzheimer's Society of BC has a new online dementia education program. The online education offers small group information workshops facilitated to provide opportunities for live discussion. Take in the workshop Coping with Change, Grief and Loss, Thursday from 10 to 11.30. Registration and full details on these free sessions are available through alzbc.org. More information is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-933-6033. Vantage Point provides not-for-profits with executive director recruitment services. Basic, intermediate, and comprehensive services are available to support your organizational leadership transition, ensuring you have the strategy and tools that will result in successful recruitment of a new executive director. From planning to recruitment to candidate assessment and transition, full details on Vantage Point's executive director recruitment and other services are available through the executive director recruitment link under services at thevantagepoint.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada. Fog patches this morning, then sunny. Wind to 15K with a high of 3. Clear tonight, wind continuing, a low of minus 7 with a wind chill to minus 10. For Tuesday, mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries early in the morning, then clearing. More wind and a high of 4. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, we're uh, back with After 9 with Collie Wells, and Collie is a uh, manager of a community outreach program in Victoria, B.C. in the year 2021. But back in 1979 to 1991, approximately, Collie was a resident of Prince George and lived and worked and partied and was (laughs) friends with all of us. We all used to work at the Rock Pit, which was 
the best bar in the province, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in the old generator. Yeah, yeah. We were a family. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had some fun. We sure did. We sure did. And uh, we lived hard and we played hard. So That's right. um, That's right. We're talking about reconciliation, and I had no idea at the time that Collie was a survivor of Marion Hall, which is likened to a lot of the issues that we're dealing with today within the concepts of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And... um, Reconciliation has to do with uh, family abuse, addictions, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting out from underneath the thumb of the man, basically, is what it seems to be boiling down to. Now, the liberals and governments have known for years, they do study after study after study, which consistently and ongoingly shows, and we know that the way we've been doing business in this province and the country is putting undue stress on it's not working it's putting Mm -hmm. undue stress on our legal system uh, via courts via police Mm -hmm. Um, everybody's concerned with everybody else's business nobody's minding their own and Mm -hmm. everybody's got an opinion well yes and you know what's interesting i was thinking during the break there echo how i really wanted to bring up a point you know um when it comes to reconciliation one of the most common things when I talk to people about that I hear, and it's in ignorance, is, well, that happened a long time ago. Shouldn't people just be moving on? Like, it, it, it happened to their grandmother or their great-grandmother or, you know, their mother. or it, It's not happening now. And what's interesting about that is my own family, I have five beautiful kids, but my own family will attest to, of course, what happened to me affected my family. Absolutely. How can it not? And and they've even proven now that it's written in our DNA. Trauma is literally passed down within our cells between generation to generation. It's inherited. So we we, And people want to hear that when it's a good thing, when they say, oh, you know, my ancestors were warriors. You know, I've got (laughs) that in my blood. But But it's like, what about if your ancestors were horribly abused? You have that in your blood, too. You know, we can't have it one way. I mean, this does affect the next generation. It is affecting the next generation. You know, and and in the Indigenous community especially, we are, I mean, it's, to me, it's like, talk about timing with these <clears throat> poor babies being, you know, their bodies being found now. I mean, we just can't ignore this any longer. We we. We can't take one step further without acknowledging the effect that this has had on our communities. Correct. And we've always seemed to be able to place ourselves away from the um, concepts of South Africa, apartheid, and and um, ridiculous slave trade and and all kinds of things like that but in fact we cannot separate i personally coming from victoria have always been embarrassed i was aware early of the struggles of the indigenous indigenous community and then when i moved to prince george it just became even more appalling to me in the light of everything that was happening and even more so of the non or the apathy and and unconcern for the the uh, tribulations of our fellow man. It, it just is, is ridiculous. And, and just, Whoops. Hello, Collie? Oh, we lost you there. Oh, no. 
Okay, well, hopefully that was just the phone that um, maybe Alan can try and give her a call. I'm just going to leave her mic up a little bit did, in case she's able to get back to us. Did you hit the mute button? I haven't hit it on her because I want to be able to hear her if she... Okay, good. Um, but, um, I, she doesn't know our number, so you're going to have to call her, Alan. Yes, okay. I guess I will have to. Okay. So, um, let's go to a break. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll we'll go to the break a little bit early, and we'll try to reconnect with Collie here, because I'd really like to hear what she has to say. Free caregiving support groups are still available for family or friend caregivers of seniors. The online meetings take place the last Tuesday of each month at 6.30. A joint presentation of the Native Friendship Center, Healthy Aging by United Way, Family Caregivers of BC, and your Council of Seniors. Free online family friend caregiver of seniors support group. 6.30, the last Tuesday of every month. Email facilitator at pgnfc.com to take part. Many things change when a person is diagnosed with dementia. One thing that doesn't have to change is the ability to exercise. Dementia-inclusive choices for exercise has developed a new series of tools and resources to help exercise providers create programs that meet the needs and preferences of people living with dementia and their care partners. To access the training modules and videos, visit the Dementia-Inclusive Choice for Exercise website at DementiaExercise.com. Hone your leadership skills with Vantage Point's Leadership Principles. Starting Tuesday, Leadership Principles will explore greater insight and clarity around your values and how they apply to your leadership style. During the three half-day sessions, the program will look at your personal leadership approach as well as individual and team development. Registration and full details are available through the training link at thevantagepoint.ca. Leadership Principles, the next three Tuesdays from 1 to 4 through thevantagepoint.ca. The Alzheimer's Society of BC has a new online dementia education program. The online education offers small group information workshops facilitated to provide opportunities for live discussion. Take in the workshop Focus on Behavior, Sundowning, and Late Day Confusion, Tuesday from 2 to 3.30. Registration and full details on the free sessions are available through alzbc.org. More information is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-933-6033. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Forgive us for our technical glitch. Yes, it is after nine, and we had a bit of a one. So, <laughs> sorry about that, Collie. I don't. I don't know how long I was ratting away. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I. You just started to say what you said, and something went sideways there. So you can re-rant if you'd like. That would be great. We're speaking with Collie Wells, and we are talking reconciliation here today, and. Uh, as a survivor of Marion, Collie uh, is one who can help us understand the whole concept of reconciliation. Yeah, so I think where um, where I, what I was talking about was uh, you know the effect on the next generations, and we don't get to pick and choose, and also the gap between like it's beca- you know I, I just see society becoming an us and them uh, society, and it I find it really depressing, uh, disturbing, you know. Like, how do we get to choose that, the you know, the person, you know, outside today that's got nothing, that's, you know, um, begging for something, anything, how do we get to choose that that person is less worthy than, you know, the girl we see in the bank? You know, like, I just, 
I don't understand it. And you and I were talking last night about, you know, the crime rates. And I was telling you what I find disturbing, too, is that the, the uh, I, I will say less than, in society's eyes, you know, I, and I put that in quotations, you know, mm-hmm. are, are becoming the enemy instead of, you know, the services that are supposed to be helping them. And so the the lower you get as far as, uh, you know, whether you have somewhere to live, whether you have somewhere to eat, whether you have the drugs that you need to get through your day physically because you're addicted, you know, w- whether you have anything at all, you become more and more desperate. And when you become desperate, this leads to criminal activities. This leads to desperation. This is why, you know, you and I were saying last night, we knew the street people back in the day, you know, yeah. You were good for a buck for this person or that person. We it was almost like a bit of a family thing. We knew who was down and out. Mm-hmm. Now there there's so much desperation out there that that it's frightening. And and just saying no, I can't buy you a cup of coffee causes these erratic behaviors. And the street community is starting to be hated. And the more that the street community becomes hated, the more the oppressed become hated, the more they don't get help. Like. It's a vicious cycle. It, it is. It is so much a vicious cycle. And and frankly, there we used to have institutions that actually helped, housed, and and uh, kept society, um, you know, basically feeling that these folks were taken care of. But then, as Marion Hall came about, we found that there was abuse going on within these That's institutions. Right. Now, we're not unfamiliar with this. I mean, we just a little while ago at a couple of hospitals here in BC had people betting on the alcohol content of, of uh, uh, Indigenous and, and clients coming into the hospital disgusting. in general. Disgusting. It's beyond yeah. disgusting. And, yeah. and let alone what's been going on for years in our old age homes. I mean, I I can attest to that myself. Um, Yeah, we can do better. Oh, absolutely. And how can we do better? We can do Mm -hmm. better by holding our government institutions like WCB, ICBC, uh, Mm -hmm. the Ministry of Social Services and Housing. Their agendas and their policies are completely protective of their own selves. We have people who are working in these agencies who actually demand... Mm-hmm. A top mm-hmm. wage, top benefits mm-hmm. to sit in a room and deny the same to another human being, and they call themselves union brothers and sisters. It, that is so true. I mean, when you know, like you're absolutely right. We, as a society, about the institution part. Yeah, as a society, we we shut down these abusive institutions as we should have. Yes, I, I get that, but then. You, you can't shut down that whole idea because the idea when it was born was correct. We do need places for people to go. We do need places for people to be assessed and to get healthy again. We do need somewhere. But we, we can do better. We, we could, you know, I mean, we have cameras now on every street corner. It doesn't matter where you go, you're on camera. There, there's no excuse for for abuse like that happening in in these places anymore. There's none. And so it's kind of like the whole, you know, the era that I grew up in, you could beat your kid right on the front lawn and the neighbor would turn a blind eye. But now you can't raise your voice to a child in Walmart, you know. So we, we always go too far. We do need institutions, but we need properly run, compassionate institutions. There are people in the world, I work with people like it, that do care. You know, oh, absolutely. I, 
I'm not out here getting rich doing what I do. I make a living. You know, uh, this industry is one of the, the community support workers that, that work for me. It's one of the lowest paid industries in government. Like, and they're on the ground, on the street, every day. Like, it, it doesn't even make sense. No, no, you're absolutely right. It's a very uh, weird, t- tilted system that uh, has to be examined. And there are technologies. We do have things coming out nowadays that are fundamentally going to change things. We, um, you know, I was in junior achievement as a youth and before I moved to Prince George, and I actually was one of the only uh Canadians to win all three conference trips through Junior Achievement, Warmco, Jamco, and Canjack. One was, you. yeah, thanks. One was in Calgary. Um, one was in Portland, Oregon, and the one in Toronto was I got for being. Uh, I came in second in sales and marketing executives back then, and I got best in Surrey. Ha <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what could I say? Uh, I was there as a teenager. I went from Prince George to Surrey, so it's been quite an interesting. Interesting life yeah, for me. No <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when I got on with the railway, um, I was hoping to become a conservation officer. Was what my plan was, and um, I was getting set up. So I worked construction in the summer and and went to school in the in the winter. Well, <clears throat> uh, WCB and CN not paying and being uh, a lawful situation completely created a fraud and destroyed my life. So. Yeah, I have personally seen how this can, uh, these types of behaviors within governmental systems of, you know, um, falling through the cracks, uh, fraudulent medical things can put people in situations where they are not able to get out. So uh-huh, uh-huh. what what the problem is, is there is no legal entity with teeth to hold these um administrative bodies accountable accountable to task yep. now yep. <clears throat> do you see, you see that in victoria as well I, we see it all the time and and you know what's sad about this too what what you're just talking about in in just your you know a, a little bit of your story you're telling me last night echo is that so then we have um a different uh, set of people suffering, and these people, you know, are deemed by society as kind of making it. So you have a place to live, you know, maybe you have a job or a part-time job, or you're behind closed doors. You might have some family and friends. And let's just say that part of your treatment included drugs to get through a horrific time, um, and then you became addicted. Now we have people, because of the stigma on society of addiction and the, the pharmaceutical era that we've just come, come through and we're still going through, people now are too ashamed to come forth and say, I have a problem. You know, and this makes me horrified because, you know, I meet people all the time that if I'm willing to be bare honest with them and share some of my stories and some of my darkest days and some of my addiction issues that I went through, then all of a sudden they're opening up and they're like, Hey, I'm addicted to blah blah blah. You know, I have been for years. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and it's killing them, and they don't know where to go. Where do they go? Where do they go for help? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, hey. And as you said, down there, there's very little beds, and the same thing is happening up here. Um, we only have 
I believe, three spaces, well, not three beds, but we have three um, different units. There's one at the hospital, and then we have, right. um, like, um, a, a men's kind of basically one through the courts there. Right. There's right. not very much up here for anybody who's addicted, but to stop people from being in this situation to begin with, exactly. if we were being dealt with in a, a proper, legitimate, non-fraudulent, judgment-based situation, I mean, it's so easy for these... Um, uh, situation. Well, the bureaucrats put dollars on it immediately. They're they're going to look at your case and they're going to put dollar signs on it. And, and no, what about the human here? <laughs> what yeah. About, and, what about the human being behind this brain injury or this, exactly. you know, addiction? Or, and not you know, to mention the fraudulent uh, proportion of what they're doing by hiding medical information or or exactly. having you know the information that's going in, which is exactly what happened with the uh, folks, uh, the lady who had her children taken away from her, and the husband sat and manipulated the RCMP. He m- manipulated mental health mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. those things. There was no recourse for anybody in that situation and once the power and the abuse of power in an uh, you know i guess you could call it an authoritarian administration uh-huh. uh, stamps that thing with their seal we're we're just non-existent absolutely and you know we work with um, a variety of age here like from the age of 19 to like 75 and you know it's very interesting that um, people that are, let's say, about 50 and up are so afraid of authority when we work with them. They are so afraid that we're manipulating them, that we want something from them, that we're going to try to control their life, that we're going to take their house away because it's not clean, that, you know, that, like, they, we start off our relationship with them. So tentatively because they've been so abused by the system. They've been, told if you don't behave this way or if you don't live this way or if you don't look this way or act this way you know there's rules and consequences thank you yes Kali and and that I'd like to talk about that when we come back from the break that would be uh, awesome if we could do that you got time to stick around with us I do I'll stick around beautiful thank you we'll be back with more after nine Designing for accessibility should be essential for any service provider, but not-for-profit capacity limits are one of the biggest barriers to reaching a wider audience. To help overcome this obstacle, Vantage Point has developed the 2021 Digital Accessibility Guide, which explores different ways to ensure your digital resources are accessible to everyone, so you can adapt quicker. The 2021 Digital Accessibility Guide is available through the, through the downloadable resources link under media at thevantagepoint.ca. On Wednesday, Charity Village will host the first-ever Charity Village Conference and Awards. This virtual event will bring together professionals within Canada's not-for-profit and charity sectors with an opportunity to be recognized for their mission, purpose, community, and recruitment initiatives. There will also be networking sessions, the opportunity to engage with exhibitors, and the inaugural Charity Village Awards, the Charity Village Conference and Awards, Wednesday through charityvillageconference.com. Standing up against racism is an ongoing battle. How will you help? I teach my children about systemic racism and about historic and persistent colonialism and the responsibility that comes with their privilege. I will use my voice to speak up and I will make more space at the table. 
I will continue to educate myself and others in my community about the racism and inequities faced by BIPOC. We will not be silent and idle. This message is brought to you by the Canadian Anti-Racism Youth Coalition. Visit caryc.ca for more information about how you can stand up and speak out. Forecast from Environment Canada. Fog patches this morning, then sunny. Wind to 15K with a high of 3. Clear tonight, wind continuing, a low of minus 7 with a wind chill to minus 10. For Tuesday, mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries early in the morning, then clearing. More wind and a high of 4. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning. This is Echo with the uh, Monday morning wake-up call. And we woke up today with Collie Wells, who is a past resident of Prince George and now works as a support worker, uh, manages a... um, Oh, goodness gracious. Community inclusion program. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There you go. And uh, we're talking um, about uh, something that hits me really deep in the heart, because what you had just mentioned before the break, Collie, about people being uh, terrified or having fear um, of, I am one of those folks. I I was traumatized so bad by WCB adjudicators that every time somebody starts to talk to me in a demeaning manner, I turn into this post-traumatic story stress disorder case and uh, things go sideways and I you know there's just so much fallout left over from the injury that I deal with and you know it's funny when I got to the brain injury group after 15 years of not knowing I had a brain injury from the injuries I'd had in the CN accident um, I was devastated to find out that this wasn't just me that there was so many other people who were in the same situation and had it far worse off and some had it far better um right it, we see it's it all the time we but, see but it the all the time trauma that i mean s- it, it could be in a, in a simple thing like you know we're walking into a, a situation where you know we're we're realizing perhaps this apartment isn't fire safe for instance okay so we're wanting to help this person support them just make some safety fire paths so we're approaching this, and instantly we're getting. Do you want? You're trying to. You're going to take my stuff. You're you're going to kick me out of here. You're you're trying to control me. And the response is so huge. It took me a long time to to realize that this this is all a trauma response. All of it. Yeah, yeah. My son would look at me, and I'd be like in hysterics, and he'd be going, "What in the hell is the matter with you?" Right? Yeah. Like over the top, mom. <laughs> and and but but honestly, there was no way of controlling it and how when right. you know and and when that pimple pops of that yeah. emotionality you you can't you can't stop it it's it, it, it's going back to what i was saying with street people now where you're you know someone is so desperate and they they go into a rage near you and over something simple it's the same thing it's a trauma response you know desperate people act desperately absolutely absolutely so what we need to do as human beings is look beyond the people and and see where this came from and and kind of explore i believe the dimensions of someone's life that's actually brought them to the situation that they're in. Absolutely. And, you know, in your case, you you know, you're the perfect example, Echo, and we see it all the time. So many disabilities. I mean, I, I say that word lightly, too, just because we have to use the word for it. But so many disabilities are invisible. Yes. You know, and we're we're having an expectation for people to behave in a certain way. 
and it's absolutely impossible for them. And you're exactly right where we need to look beyond the behavior into what, you know, what is causing the behavior. That's you know? right. That's what right. Can we, what can we do to help healing? Whether it's just a kind word, you know, um, the average Joe can be kind. I mean, I spout that all the time. Just be kind to each other. You, you know, everybody's attacking each other and, and expecting everyone to act. You need to act like me. You know, um, I, I didn't have your experience, but you need to act like me. And, and instead, we're, we're ignoring that there's many people out there like yourself that have a hidden disability and likely cannot control what just happened to them. You know, we call them triggers. You know, you're saying like the pimple popping. That's what we call it a trigger. Yeah. It's like, what triggers that person and why? Yeah. You know, a lot of can, people- can we find a place for healing and compassion there? That's right. And a lot of people out there go, well, I just don't have time for that. So I ignore them. But then that extrapolates the problem and there is no solution comes of it. Can you imagine being so desperate and hungry and cold and tired and messed up and you're invisible? You're absolutely invisible. Can you imagine how frustrating that is? It, 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 it's it's hard for someone to imagine because you don't know what you don't know. So exactly. um, when you don't know what you don't know, maybe that's the time to stand back and and take a, a you know a little bit of a pause and go, hmm, okay, un, I'm unrelatable here, but how can I relate? And I think that's the big breath that everybody maybe needs to take, hey. I agree. I agree fully. And, you know, that that just brings me back to, like, my beginning days in Prince George when we were talking about, yes, it was a different time and a different era. But that's what brought me through was, like, I I didn't fit in anywhere. I, I didn't know how to dress. I didn't know how to date. I didn't know how to cook. You know, um, I didn't know how to pay rent. I'd never had a job. And yet I was ex- accepted into that society. Mm-hmm. No. I wasn't told, well, you know, you don't fit, therefore you can't stay, you know. And everywhere I looked, there was a hand reaching out to me, you know, and it, it saved my life. It, Prince George literally saved my life. And we, we need to go back to that kind of a society where it's like, well, what can I do? You know, if everybody just did one thing, if everybody just, you know, if everybody wrote a letter to the government and said, I'm not accepting this anymore, you know, if if everybody was was kind to their neighbor, I mean, we can all do one thing. You know, yeah, we can't and continue and on the road we're on. That's for sure. That's right, and we don't need to go by our own experience and feelings. We can research these things and find out what they've done in other communities to help make it better. And look that's at our right. history. I mean, we're that's so right. we're so quick to brush history off, eh? I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, off topic, but we, you know, we had a thing where they're getting a plastics plant in town. Well, you know, like back not even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the city plan said, no, we can't have any more industry in the, sh- in the air shed. Yet they right. still went about themselves and tried to do it again. So we keep thinking we need to remake the wheel when in fact we had the wheel made and we, we kind of rolled it off into the ditch for a while. That's right. So That's uh, right. we need to pick it back up. And, uh, and we do need to hold our governments accountable. 
you know, that's the bottom line. Truly. You know? and, and, and by way of uh, what they're doing in a lot of ways is what they call an abuse of power, where they just make a policy, they stamp mm-hmm. it, and then shove it onto people's lives. And, and that can't be anymore. And these um, governmental institutions need to be uh, brought their power into check. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Because, you know, especially when they start using it against citizens that are, are disenfranchised or, or um, you know, they're the ones that put them there to begin with, which is really, really sad. Absolutely. I mean, okay, so you grew up in, you know, in a, you went to, you know, 11 foster homes. Uh, none of them kept you um, for whatever their own personal reasons are. And I'm not judging those foster homes. I'm just saying, for, but you are the person that was rejected in your heart and mind by these 11 homes. You couldn't stay there. And now you're 19 and now you're on the street and you're expected to what? To just, you know, go buy your little minivan and get a job and find a little girlfriend and I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, they're quite unrealistic, quite unrealistic, and uh, people just don't... I I, um, quaver with the fact of homelessness every day because I I live in a place that's quite substandard and needs work, but yet I I feel, and is moldy, and I can't do anything about it, but I feel so blessed in comparison to the folks that I see that are wandering around here in Prince George, and... um, Absolutely. Yeah, this and the is, cold weather is coming. Oh, my gosh. It's just, it makes me cry. And yeah. uh, it, yeah. it, it really is disturbing. It, it yeah. can set me back weeks. But anyway, this has been amazing, Collie. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sure everybody in town's just happy to hear your voice. And, and, yeah. Uh, Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, check out again the show on W5 about uh, that Collie and her friends are on about Marion Hall. And we can look into some more of issues of what has put people in the positions that they are in today, including our Indigenous and our youth in in, uh, in care and uh, all the workers and all the injured people and people with disabilities that uh, need help. So That's right. That's right. And thank you, Prince George, right on. for your acceptance of me when I didn't feel like I would ever be accepted anywhere. So. Well, yeah. we are that. We can be welcoming, obviously, if nothing else, but that's right. <laughs> that that's is right. huge. That's right, right on. I look forward to seeing you again, Echo. You take care. It's so you good as, to reconnect with you. You too, Collie. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, right. and uh, bless your heart. Bye for now. Thanks for having me. Okay. You're welcome. It has been a great conversation. Uh, I'm sure lots of you would remember Collie as we were all uh, quite alive and loudly partying people back in the day. <laughs> if not, we're going to take a quick break now and come back with more After 9. The Alzheimer's Society of BC has a new online dementia education series. The online education offers small group information workshops facilitated to provide opportunities for live discussion. Take in the two-part workshop, Recognizing Your Journey as a Caregiver, Tuesday, November 16th and 23rd from 10 to 11.30. Registration and full details on these free sessions are available through alzbc.org. More information is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-933-6033. 
On Wednesday, Charity Village will host the first-ever Charity Village Conference and Awards. This virtual event will bring together professionals within Canada's not-for-profit and charity sectors with an opportunity to be recognized for their mission, purpose, community, and recruitment initiatives. There will also be networking sessions, the opportunity to engage with exhibitors, and the inaugural Charity Village Awards, the Charity Village Conference and Awards, Wednesday through charityvillageconference.com. The Legion's Remembrance Day activity Activities are underway for 2021. Poppies are available by donation throughout the city with new pay tribute tap enabled donation boxes. Flags have been installed on the graves of veterans at the Prince George Cemetery, and the official remembrance ceremony is set to take place at the Cenotaph in front of City Hall at 11 on Remembrance Day morning. This year's ceremony will be broadcast on CKPG TV starting at 10:30. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is continuing their series of online webinars. Everyone is encouraged to learn more about dementia and its stark impact on Canadians through their website, alzbc.org. While there, you can also register for their free webinars or watch previous presentations. The next webinar is Equip Yourself, Knowledge and Skills to Help Get the Support You Need, Wednesday from 2 to 3. The Alzheimer's Society of BC, bringing you support and information for dementia at alzbc.org. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, that was just a flash from the past there, speaking with Collie. Amazing. Yeah. It was really enjoyable. And uh, hey, Alan, you've got some pretty awesome news. You got voted our Volunteer of the Year. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Yeah, That's so you. cool. You're, you. I don't know anybody more deserving, I tell you. And it actually, this year, had an, a, a slightly modified name. Oh, Kathy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And that was Kathy, who, of course, used to be. Well, she wasn't sitting exactly where you are because she was up at the old place at uh, Studio 2880. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We miss her. uh, I miss her a lot. I I really do. Um, And I'm so happy that we were uh, that Corey and everybody had the thoughtfulness to actually do that, because that is huge. She made a huge contribution. Con- contribution to the city in so many mm-hmm. different ways. Yeah, and it's a new month, in case you hadn't noticed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, in, we're into uh, November. Yeah, or November, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Yeah, yeah, well, we're going to go for the fundraising side of it and get all those stashes out there, you guys. Alan's got I've, one already. Yeah. Is Reg going on his? No, no, Reg doesn't want to do that. No, but... Um, one of the first big events comes up this weekend, actually. Absolutely, and that would be Studio Fair, Studio correct? Studio Fair, Yay. yeah. Do not go to the Civic Center for it. No. No, go to CN Center. CN Center, it's getting yeah. bigger and better, and oh bigger my God. And they're on. They're going to be on the rink surface and up on the upper concourse. So to that extent, it'll be sort of the same as what they were doing at the Civic Center, where they had like the, the ground floor. Right. And then they had the upstairs rooms as well. well That's here, right. Same thing. Well, you know, last time that I was there, I, I volunteered, and, and they... Um, they really did need a bigger space. It, yeah. it was very comfortable, and everybody well, moved, and it was wonderful. But yeah. I always was thinking it that was a little getting a little bit small. They were outgrowing it, so yeah. that's good to see they're kind of spacing out a little bit. And a couple of changes this year. Number one, um, not a juried exhibition this year. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, the community arts council and their people didn't decide which vendors could get in. It right. was just if you wanted to get in, you bought a table, you were in. Right. 
So that helped in terms of getting more local vendors in, I think, as well. That's very cool. Well, a lot of people might not want to travel, I guess, or or, um, I'm curious to see if they're going to have some of the old vendors. I know Kathy used to love the Lemon Square guys. They were always amazing. And And I know this one, I'm pretty sure, talking to some of the vendors from out of town who had been here at previous studio fairs, this was sort of the kickoff for the Christmas circuit, if you will. Absolutely. Like they come to Prince George, and I think it was like the next week, there was somewhere else that had their equivalent of studio fair, and then another week later, they had another one. So you weren't, say, coming here from, let's say, Edmonton, for example. Yeah. Exhibiting at studio fair, going home, and a week later, or two weeks later, going out to somewhere else. They got it set up so that you could basically, you know, take a month or whatever, however long you wanted. That's very cool. The trail. Yeah, yeah, and, and how handy is that oh, for everybody? Yeah, absolutely. The other thing to note this year as well is there's no admission cost. Oh well, that's going to be nice. Yeah, they are. They're asking for donations at the door, and all the donations will go to the community arts council, who of course are the people who put it on. Right. So it's just donations at the door. Um, obviously, full COVID regulations in effect because it's an indoor event, so you do need your passport. You will need to wear a mask when you're inside. Right. Which all makes sense. I think people are getting used to that. To That's for sure. And getting used to it and tired of it all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do with that? So make sure you guys get down there and support the Community Arts Council and all the hard work that Lisa Redpath and all of her volunteers and Sean and everybody yeah. do because they well deserve it. And as does the arts community of Prince George, it's very exciting to know that it's going to open up to a lot more artists this year. Yeah. So Friday... This coming Friday, from 1 till 8, at CN Center. I'll just emphasize that again. Saturday from 10 to 6. Sunday from 10 to 4. But Echo, what's the big thing people have to remember with Sunday? Dun, 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 dun. Time travel. <laughs> we fall back. Yeah, back, back, back. Yeah. Spring ahead, fall back. And, and again, I had someone ask me on the weekend. They said, well, weren't we supposed to get away from that? And I said, well, we've got... We, the, Victoria passed the bill mm-hmm. to change it to just one time. But what they want to do, and it makes perfect sense, is California, Oregon, Washington, and I think probably Alaska are all looking at doing the same thing. They've all basically said, we're going to do the same thing. But just before they were going to start talking about that, this little thing called COVID cropped up. Yeah. And they decided for some reason, a thing about time change was Everything quite else as in the world disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> It really but the did. idea is they want the whole West Coast to still just be on one time for the entire year, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, so, I think there was a, there's some a place in Saskatchewan that is the same time well, Saskatch- all the time. Saskatchewan is never, the same time never all the changes, time. Never changes. Yeah. The entire province. Mm-hmm. And now Alberta apparently was doing it by referendum, if you can believe it. In their <laughs> municipal elections, they were doing a provincial referendum on whether or not. Yeah. And, I, and, I don't understand because it's so dark out. It just yeah. seems so dark and it would lighten it up for us, if would it not, if we uh, kind of stopped falling back in the fall? Or? Well, we've got a few days to think about that. Yeah, I think true we enough. we have to kind of wrap this one up. Yeah, we sure do. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And thank you, Collie Wells, our uh, special guest. That was absolutely amazing. And we will be doing more conversations on reconciliation and... Uh, just general stuff that really bothers people here on the Monday morning wake-up call edition of After 9. 
After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're tuned to 93.1 CFIS-FM, Prince George, proudly supported by community groups.